Well, please turn with me in your copies of God's Word to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22, and we will be considering from verse 14 to chapter 23, verse 4 today. And as many of you know, the story of the Israelites is somewhat cyclical. There are these cycles of faithfulness and apostasy. The Israelites will be faithful to the law of the Lord, but over time, they will become hardened. They will become hardened to that law and ultimately take on themselves the idols of the surrounding pagans. And then after a time, the Lord will raise up a faithful man to call Israel unto repentance, and that cycle will continue. Our text comes to us today towards the end of the nation of Judah, just a short time before they would be taken into exile. The cycle had just hit a low point during the 55-year reign of King Manasseh, And if you remember him, this man was truly wicked. He was an idolater, a sorcerer, a blasphemer. He was an evil man. He built altars to false gods in the court of the temple. He placed idols within the house of God. And he rebuilt all of those old altars which Hezekiah had previously torn down. And following his death, his son Amon took the throne and we are told that he walked in all the way that his father walked in. He was just as wicked. But then at eight years old, Josiah took the throne following the death of wicked Amon. And our text comes to us ten years into the reign of King Josiah. This is where our reading today will pick up. This is the Word of the living and true God, so please lend it your ear. So Hilkiah the, the priest and Ahikam and Achbor, and Shephan, and Asahiah went unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. 
but to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord. Thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. Thus far, the reading of God's word, let us go to him once again asking his blessing upon it. Father, we do come to you once again asking your blessing upon this word. And Lord, as we now uh, hear this word in preparation to receiving that sacrament of communion next week, we ask, Lord, that your spirit would work among us to apply this word to our hearts, to convict us of our sins, to show us our need for the Savior and to instill in us a right understanding of this covenant which we have sworn before the Lord. And so, Lord, we ask that as the preaching goes forth, that the Spirit would use it as an effectual means of grace to sanctify those who hear it. Let the man decrease so that Christ would increase. Show us, Jesus, Christ today. Lord, we ask these things in His name. Amen. Well, we live in a world today that seems to revel in sin and debauchery. I'm sure that statement comes as no surprise to any of you here. The world seems to have fully embraced a debased lifestyle. Drunkenness is no longer looked down upon, but it's embraced as simply having fun and enjoying life. 
Television and movies have become bastions for all sorts of vile actions and language and images all in the name of entertainment. Sexual immorality has become the norm with the majority of people in America engaging in premarital sex or extramarital affairs. Homosexuality and transgenderism have taken over the Western world and become commonplace in our society. And the blood of babes has painted our streets crimson through the slaughter of millions in abortion mills. Recent polls have shown that only 65% of Americans claim Christianity as their religion, and of that, only 30 to 35 would be considered evangelical Christians, and we all know that that's a loose term as well. World leaders openly mock and defy the precepts of ruling a nation that are laid out by God in the Scriptures. And so it can truly be said that we live in a world and a society where sin is running rampant and unchecked. This ought to cause us great concern. And when we consider that our society is not that much better off than the society that Josiah inherited, then that should cause us to fear. We hear talk of the need for revival, of the desire to see repentance, and for the need to return to our Christian roots. And all these things are good and right and true. But I'll tell you right now, friends, if you want to see these things come about, then you must realize that it begins with you. All of us here today have sin in our hearts. We all have that inward nature which leads us to fall into acts of grievous sin. And we all have a need for continued repentance in our own lives. As well as the responsibility to call others to repentance. Just as in the days of King Josiah, true repentance across this land must begin with the people of God. And so, dear brothers and sisters, the exhortation to you this afternoon is to renew your covenant with Jehovah and stand to it. And we'll consider this exhortation by looking at three heads. First, the need for covenant renewal. Next, the act of covenant renewal. And then finally, the effect of covenant renewal. So let us first consider the need for covenant renewal. And as I mentioned earlier, the kingdom of Judah was in an incredibly bad place when Josiah took the throne. The sin that had defiled the land and permeated throughout the people was grievous. And it could not continue unpunished. 
If God would destroy the pagan lands of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone for their sin. And if He would turn Lot's wife into a pillar of salt for simply looking back at those cities, then how much more deserving of absolute destruction were the people of God who had turned their back on their Redeemer and turned to idols, defiling even the very house of God with their blasphemous worship. Friends, Jehovah will not be mocked. He will punish the wicked according to their iniquities. And we see this in chapter 22, Verse 16, verses 16 and 17. We see that this punishment was already on hand against the nation of Judah. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger and with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. We know that in these days the inspired Word of God was altogether lost and the temple of Jehovah had suffered to fall into decay. When Josiah ordered the temple to be repaired, the book of God was found. And upon reading the book of the law, it became apparent that the nation was in danger of receiving the judgments that were laid out in Scriptures. And to compound the warnings of the Lord, God sent forth Huldah, the prophetess, to pronounce God's imminent judgment. And when Josiah saw that the judgments were pronounced against his nation, he sought to avert them by turning to the Lord his God. Because he saw the great plagues that God had threatened them with. He knew of no more speedy way to avoid them than to turn to God by repentance, which cannot come but by faith, and faith by hearing the Word of God. Friends, the time of judgment is upon us. The sins that pervade our land are the very same sins that had taken hold of the kingdom of Judah. The perversity and idolatry of our nation has done nothing but incur the wrath of God. And I can tell you now that we are feeling it in a small degree. But if we continue, I can assure you that it will be felt in a much greater degree. And we as a church are not immune to this. In fact, we as the people of God are the first ones 
who will feel the judgment of the Lord for the sins that remain among us? 1 Peter 4.17 tells us, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. But why does judgment begin at the house of God? Because we, like the Israelites, are the ones who are supposed to know God's law. We are the ones that ought to be seeking His face. We are the ones that ought to be worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. But that's not what we see in the church today. There is corruption. There is error. There's false teachings. Even our small denomination has felt this greatly in recent times. I stumbled across a staggering statistic in the last five years in the RPCNA, we have lost five pastors due to disciplinary cases. That ought to cause us to shudder, to tremble. We ought to tremble at the sifting that Christ Jesus is doing among the church right now. So many professing believers don't love the law of the Lord. So many within the church don't seek after God's face. Numerous churches, instead of worshiping in spirit and in truth, offer strange fire unto the Lord, just as Nadab and Abihu did. It's no wonder that judgment begins at the house of God. For it is the house of God where some of the worst perversions of the faith occur. But the judgment doesn't end there. It begins at the house of God, but it extends to all the people. The judgment that begins at the house of the Lord is but a precursor of what will take place to the nation that dishonors the Lord. We've seen this time and time again throughout history. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The destruction of Israel. The destruction of Judah. The destruction of Babylon. The destruction of Assyria. The destruction of Jerusalem. The destruction of the Roman Empire. What's next? The destruction of America. Brothers and sisters, the need for covenant renewal lies in the fact that unless we see repentance both within individuals and on a national scale, Jehovah will judge us with a righteous judgment and He will bring about the destruction of the wickedness that pervades our land. All peoples of the earth, all nations of the earth, all kings of the earth, will one day fall down before Christ Jesus as King and Head over all peoples and nations, either in humble repentance and service to Him as their Master, or in being numbered among the slain as He with His right hand strikes through kings in the day of His wrath 
as Psalm 110 tells us. The need for covenant renewal is plain to see in our society around us, but do not neglect the need for covenant renewal within yourselves. Examine yourselves. Pray to the Lord to reveal to you the hidden sins of your heart. See the vileness of your sinfulness. It still remains within you. And you will quickly see your need for covenant renewal. And once we see the need for covenant renewal, we must also heed the call to action. So let us now turn our attention to consider the act of covenant renewal. And we see this in 23 verses 1 to 3. And the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which is found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after his statutes with all their heart and all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. I want us first to see that the act of covenant renewal is a responsibility that lies within the civil magistrate. And I know that this is not a popular position to hold today, especially in America, in which this notion of uh, religious liberty is enshrined within our national identity. But we must not look to the United States Constitution for guidance in how we are to live. But instead, we're to look to the Word of God. In Romans Chapter 13, verses 1 to 4, makes clear to us the duty of the civil magistrate. And it's vastly different than what the modern notion of the magistrate is. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained, uh, that, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The civil magistrate is to be a minister of God in being a terror to evildoers and a rewarder to those who do good. And where do we find what is good and what is evil? That can only be found in the moral law of God. 
as summarized in the Ten Commandments. Matthew Henry writes, It is really the interest of princes to promote the knowledge of the Scriptures in their dominions. If, if the people be but as steadfastly resolved to obey by law as he is to govern by law, the kingdom will be happy. All people are concerned to know the Scriptures and all in authority to spread the knowledge of it. King Josiah understood this. And that's why not only did he renew his covenant with Jehovah himself, but he also renewed the covenant as a representative of the people of Judah. And this is the pattern which we ought to be calling upon our own civil magistrates to emulate. Christian, you have a duty and a responsibility to be the prophetic voice to the magistrate to show them the wickedness of their sin and their need for a Savior. You have the duty and the responsibility to call the magistrate unto repentance. To call them to kiss the Son, as Psalm 2 says. And to govern according to the precepts of the Lord. We cannot expect to continue as a country so long as our magistrate fails to recognize Jehovah as God and Christ Jesus as King over this nation. The religious liberty that is enshrined in the Constitution is antithetical to the foundations of the moral law of God. You cannot have the First Amendment and the First Commandment at the same time. If you want to know why we are living under the just judgment of a holy God as a people, that is why. And so you must be a people that is praying for and calling for the magistrate to bend the knee to King Jesus and to renew the covenant to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. But the responsibility of covenant renewal does not simply lie within the civil magistrate. It lies within the people as well. You and I and all peoples of this earth bear a responsibility to covenant, uh, to covenant renewal before the Lord. King Josiah, when he made the public declaration of the covenant renewal, did not do it in secret, but instead did it in plain sight of all the people. Josiah stood before the people and he read to them the book of the law so that there was no excuse among the people for not knowing what was required of them. And then following the reading of the law, we see the covenant renewal ceremony where the obligations of the covenant were made known clearly and concisely. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart 
in all their soul to perform all the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. All the people stood to the covenant. Meaning that they all took it upon themselves as their own covenant. Friends, we must do the same. We must stand to the covenant with Jehovah and make it our own. This is the responsibility of all of us, elders and members alike. Every person in their proper place has a responsibility to do this. Charles Simeon writes, Ministers should labor by all possible means to bring their people to God. And every parent or master of a family should study to advance the eternal interest of those who by the providence of God are committed to His care. We all have a responsibility in this. But you may be thinking to yourself that this covenant is so strict. It's so limiting. And you would be correct. It is strict. And rightly so. It's strict because the law of God that you are commanded to obey is strict. The covenant which Josiah proposed was incredibly strict. They were to keep God's commandments and testimonies and statutes just to keep them with all of their heart. And with all of their soul. But not a single person objected to those terms. Instead, we're told that they stood to the covenant. Thus, it should be with us also. The most self-denying commandment should not appear to us as grievous, but holy and just and good. And we should humbly submit to it without any limitations or reservations. And we shouldn't be concerned or discouraged to do this because of the degeneracy of the times that we live in. Because the state of religion cannot be any lower than it was in the days of Josiah. And even if it were, then that would only be reason for us to continue more earnestly in our efforts in the cause of God. Friends, you must see the need for covenant or renewal arising from the sinfulness and the wickedness within our land and within our own hearts. And that must drive you. It must drive you to the one who can provide the remedy. It must drive you to Christ. It's good. It is a good uh, thing to oblige ourselves to uh, our duty in all seriousness. 
We ought to remember the obligations that are placed upon us and commit ourselves to them. And we, we especially should remember this during times of backsliding or falling into sin. Cry out to the Lord in humble repentance. Plead with the Spirit to remove every iniquity and commit yourselves to stand upon the law of the Lord in an act of covenant renewal. And after considering the need for covenant renewal and the act of covenant renewal, let us now turn our attention to focus on the effects of covenant renewal. Covenant renewal is an act of public repentance and therefore it necessitates bearing out the fruit of that repentance. Covenant renewal is not simply a recognition of the sin and a verbal commitment to obey the law of God. It's an act that carries with it certain effects. And we see those effects in verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. The act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if it were simply a mere ceremony. The act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if, just, if Josiah would have allowed the altars to the false gods to remain. The act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if the idols that had defiled the temple of God had been left standing. But King Josiah, being the righteous man that he was, would not stand for Jehovah to continue to be mocked by the blasphemies that had become commonplace in Judah. And so the effect of covenant renewal seen in this text is that the monuments of idolatry, the high places that were dedicated to pagan gods, the altars upon which blasphemous sacrifices were given, they were all utterly destroyed. The righteous magistrate must promote righteousness within his domain and seek out every effort to eradicate the land of wickedness. And that is precisely what Josiah does here. And it's interesting that not only did he command that the idolatrous artifacts be destroyed, but he then ordered that the ashes be brought to Bethel. What a slap in the face to the practitioners of idolatry that was. He did this partly to show his abhorrency of them and that he would not give the ashes of them a place within his kingdom. But he did it also partly to pollute and disgrace that place which had been the chief seat and throne of idolatry. 
to take the ashes of the idols and to spread them out upon the place where the idolatry was founded to begin with. What a slap in the face. May the Lord show us mercy in raising up a magistrate that will tear down the idols in our own nation in acts of public repentance and covenant renewal. This is their duty to be a terror to evildoers. And what is more evil than for a magistrate to allow blasphemous pagan worship to continue within their land? God requires the eradication and destruction of idolatry from the land. And it is the duty of the magistrate to purify and cleanse the land from all forms of idolatry. Our confession of faith states that it is the magistrate's duty to take order that the unity and peace be preserved in the church, that the truth of God be kept pure and entire, that all blasphemies and heresies be suppressed, all corruptions and abuses in worship and discipline prevented or reformed, and all the ordinances of God duly settled, administered, and observed. This is why we must continue our efforts to see the United States Constitution either struck down and replaced with a godly constitution, or at least amended to recognize the crown rights of King Jesus as sovereign over this nation. And we must also work to see the blasphemous First Amendment which allows all sorts of perversions and idolatrous religions to be freely exercised under the guise of religious liberty. We must seek it struck down. The fact that the satanic temple is even allowed to operate in this nation, much less the fact that they are permitted to erect their statues and their monuments across this land ought to sicken us. The fact that there are mosques being built in nearly every metropolitan area throughout our country ought to sadden us. The fact that synagogues can be found nearly everywhere ought to disgust us. And the fact that our civil magistrate promotes and protects these false religions, these synagogues of Satan, these bastions of blasphemy ought to anger us with a righteous anger. If Jehovah were to see fit to bring about this nation to repentance, to bring about a covenant renewal in our land, then the effect that we would see should be the absolute destruction of the idolatry which has plagued our land. Friends, without that, our covenant renewal would mean nothing. And dear brothers and sisters, the, act, the, the effect of covenant renewal must be present in your own lives as well. It's not enough to simply profess with your lips that you will keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, but you must carry it out in your lives as well. 
the idolatries that plague our land are not simply the idolatries of the unbelieving world, but the idolatries of our own hearts as well. What's an idol in your life which you have been hesitant to tear down? Has money and wealth and success become an idol in your life? Do you elevate it to a place of honor which it does not deserve? Then tear it down. Repent of your greed and idolatry and turn to Jehovah who is far greater than anything riches could ever provide. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or has fame and notoriety and status become an idol in your life? Do you care more about what others think of you than what the Lord of all creation thinks of you. Then tear it down. Repent of your self-centeredness and your vanity and turn to Christ Jesus who humbled Himself and took on the form of a servant. Proverbs 16, 18 and 19 says, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Or has your notion of having the ideal family become an idol in your life? The Does the desire for perfection prevent you from loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Or does it prevent you from submitting to your husband out of love and respect for the God-appointed authority that He has over you? Does your desire to have your children perfectly obedient cause you to provoke them to anger? Tear it down. Repent of your sin and turn to your heavenly Father who has adopted you into His family and commands you to love your family as He loves you. Your covenant renewal must not be mere formalism. It must not be just for show. If your covenant renewal does not lead to the destruction of idolatry in your life in an effort to truly live out the obligations of the covenant, then it is all in vain. Tearing down idolatry is the effect of covenant renewal. Brothers and sisters, the time for covenant renewal is now. We as a nation are on the cusp of absolute destruction by a holy and just God who will not hold back in His day of wrath. 
call upon the civil magistrate to repent of their sins and turn to Christ Jesus. Petition them to recognize the crown rights of King Jesus over this nation. Carry forth the example that was set by those covenanter pastors who stood before President Lincoln and called for him in the United States to bend the knee to Christ. We must be willing to do the same. We must bear testimony against the wickedness of this world, against the magistrates who are upholding and promoting evils in our land and against the evils of the heathen among us who is seeking the destruction of Christ's church. But do not forget that you are in need of covenant renewal as well. As you prepare to come to the Lord's table next week, pray that the Lord would reveal to you those hidden sins which have continued for so long in your life and repent of them. Spend this week in self-examination, searching out the secret places to find the idolatry that lies within and tear it down. You're called to examine yourselves, to prepare yourselves to come and partake of the sacrament of communion in a worthy manner. And you cannot partake in a worthy manner while sin remains unchecked and unrepentant within you. Tear down the idols and the high places in your life which have taken the place that only the triune God of the universe deserves. And then come to the table. Prepare yourselves. Examine yourselves. Tear down the high places and turn unto Christ. Be clothed in His righteousness and then come to the table. And partake of that blessed covenant meal. Renew your covenant with Jehovah and stand to it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this covenant that You have made with us. That You will be our God and we will be Your people. Lord, We understand the terms of this covenant that You require of us obedience. And we stand to that. And Lord, where we fail to uphold our terms of the covenant, we ask that the blood of Jesus Christ would wash away all of our sins and would place us in right standing in the covenant with our Lord. So Lord, we ask that You would use Your Spirit to search out the the depths of our hearts this week to prepare us to come to this table and to partake in in a worthy manner. Lord, let us renew this covenant with You. 
as your people. Be with us this week. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Zion's only King and Head. Amen.